So, any questions this morning? <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah. That Om is the beginning of all the um, Vedic statements. Pujapada Sridhar used to describe it as a as an affirmation and by way of saying yes to the answer um, that of the question why or it seems as though there's more to life than as I said what meets the eye and the mind and so forth and the answer is oh yes you're right there is and and uh, but the the yes and that answers a question that only consciousness can ask, a why question, a quality question, a value question. Do you follow me? Matter can't ask those kind of questions. Um, the, the yes that, that comes as the initial answer is followed by thousands of qualifying statements, Vedic statements afterwards, which all constitute really one thing, and that is yes, but... In so many words, you have to change your angle of vision. Once I was sitting with with uh, Pujapachita Marshana, we used to sit on the veranda, his veranda at that time. He was about 80% blind and uh, old. He was about maybe a year or two older than Prabhupada. And so Prabhupada left the world in 1977 and Marsh left at about 1987. And um, so he he was in his upper 80s or maybe even early 90s when he left the world. But at any rate, we would sit there and he would he would kindly spend two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon answering questions. It was a small, usually very intimate uh, setting in Navadweep, across the Ganges from Prabhupada's Mayapur. Chandadaya Mandir. Mm-hmm. At any rate, one of my godbrothers um, asked a question. What was that question? You're talking about why. Uh, he said that, Guru Maharaj, is there any service I could do? And then he thought for a moment, he said, try to change your angle of vision which is a very uh, powerful statement and and it goes to the root, really, of what service is about. Mm -hmm. Serving is a different angle of vision than enjoying and as much as the serving, if you will, disposition is not in place, regardless of what tasks we may perform, mm -hmm, the measure or extent to which it's service, uh, comes into question. Do you understand? Hmm? So it's easy to kind of be preoccupied with some busy work or something like that, but to change your angle of vision, it sounds like a small thing. You could have said, well, go and milk the cows and, and you know, harvest the rice and, you know, goodness, you gave me a lot to do and so forth. Just change your angle of vision. It's, uh, it's just like in bhakti we say, Krishna says, it's very simple, 
just patram pushpam palam toyam, just to offer me a fruit, a flower, some water. I mean, it's every, you can't live without water, so everybody's got it. It doesn't matter how poor you are. So that's all. Yes, that's all, just with love. That's all. <laughs> with your whole heart. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that uh, then becomes more difficult. We can offer some, some water, but can we offer our heart? That is another thing. We follow in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's line the, what's called the Ragmarg. Hmm? That is the standard of devotion we find in, exemplified in Krishna's uh, associates and family members and friends in Vrindavan. Rag means, uh, really means passion, it means attachment, it means in this context a kind of movement in relation to the Absolute that has no calculation. Hmm? Sometimes Prabhupada would translate it spontaneous, just like you do something spontaneously without calculating it. Hmm? Say, for example, there's a fire down the street, and some man is walking along, and he sees the fire, and hears a girl, child, screaming. So without thinking, he runs into the building at the risk of his own life, hmm? and somehow pulls her out of the fire. Meanwhile, the neighbors come and surround him and praise him, and the newspapers come and interview him, and they say, what were you thinking? He says, well, I really wasn't thinking at all. I just, you you could have, you know, your life could have been uh, lost itself, and and you're here. No, I'm not a hero. I just, you know, I just just did it. Hmm? Without thinking, Um, um, an act of valor, something like that, is usually not a calculated one. Hmm? So these movements of the inhabitants of Vrindavan in relation to the Absolute in the form of Sri Krishna are something like that. They're without thinking. The, op- the idea is that the identification with Krishna is so complete that they don't see, for example, really any difference between Krishna's body and their own. That's why they'll put... Krishna's friends will rest their feet on him hmm? in the forest under a tree... You wouldn't think to do that to God, you know. <laughs> but the love has extended, and we have experienced that. If you love someone, you touch them, it's not a big thing. If you walk down the street and somebody bumps into you, excuse me, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's because of the pranai, it's called love in Sanskrit, this, this pranai, this, this particular idea of this identification, extended identification. So this is the standard of the Vrindavan Marg, which forges a kind of a unity that transcends even the unity that is there between object of worship and worshiper. That's a different path of bhakti. We call it the Vaidhi Marg, the path of calculated love. Because he's God, I should serve him. Hmm? There's God, there's me, and then there's the offering. And there's some gap in between. Hmm? In Ragmarg, that gap is bridged hmm, by the force of affection. And so the way that the Leela plays out, Krishna Leela, it appears that their engagement with Krishna constitutes something other than, than love. If they're defeating him and Radharani is chastising him and avoiding him. and So, I mean, you know, who wants to avoid God if you're religious? <laughs> Uh, is, is the idea. So it's rather odd 
But if you look deeply at it, you see that all of the things that are there in other types of calculated, well-reasoned, I mean, it's well-reasoned to do this, but I mean calculated because it, because it should be done type of worship are also there, but they're taking a different shape, actually, in love, in, in intimacy. And so, as I was kind of concluding last night, it's the serving ego that is at the heart, really, of this whole affair. All these rasas, like Dasya Rasa, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya, at their heart, they're all services, but they just express themselves. As I've said before, I think last night as well, that, that sacrifice is the womb from which love is born. Hmm? So that's why Sugadev, when he was speaking about the cowherd boys with, and their intimacy with Krishna, when he was narrating the Leela to the Raj Parikshit, he said, Krita I can't imagine what they must have done to have arrived at this, what kind of sacrifices they must have undergone and so to arrive at such intimacy with the Absolute. So this is our ideal, this is our 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 um, our prayogen, prem prayogen, our our goal hmm? to keep high above our heads, have regard um, for that, and it constitutes a comprehensive um, change of one's from the material angle of vision, and it's a kind of worship in which, if you will, the material ingredients for worship are minimized, unnecessary, because the heart has completely been given. Hmm? Um, you know, we, we offer things to the deity, light, uh, a scent, um, uh, some, some, some food, some uh, fanning, uh, in one sense, our, our material sense of self is constituted of movement, air, fire, heat. Hmm. Um, uh, uh, I want to say um, all the elements, smelling, tasting, sound, form, touch, hmm, taste. We, we are, in one sense, the body of senses and, and thought, Hmm? And the Arctic is something like offering all of these ingredients, the scent, the heat. Hmm? You're supposed to think about it, the thought, you understand? Uh, to the deity in such a way that they all become unraveled. Hmm? You become naked before the deity and yourself in, 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 in a serving disposition and make the dynamic union that is... Love, and as much as I say, and this is the point that love is there, or the serving attitude is there, especially in our path, distilled as it is into this spontaneous love, ultimately, nonetheless, the ingredients and the formalities are necessary. Hmm? Indeed, they get in the way. Once Sridhar said, "Thank you" is rather a formal thing, hmm. kind of gets in the way. In other words. Amongst family members, and it's 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 you know thank you dad thank you son thank you you, know, I mean, you, you teach them I suppose you know <laughs> but uh, but at a certain point it's like understood hmm? it goes without saying something like that it, you don't need to thank you this is what we want we want this even amongst ourselves hmm? in a, in a sangha hmm? 
just like you know for me i'm rather simple in, in a lot of ways and and um i don't really much entertain those, all the formalities of of regard for the guru and so forth that sometimes we see in other places i think it's rather bothersome and 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 gets in the way of course they're there also for the purpose of protecting the students from thinking that that uh, that uh, familiarity you know can breed contempt and it uh, is the deity's hard to understand so is the guru understood by by his or her speech and and behavior i suppose but then again much of the behavior is like everyone else's got to eat and take some rest and and so on and so forth. So those formalities are often there for that. But as much as there, the, the spirit of, of appreciation, affection, and so forth is is there, then they're they're not necessary. It would be more uh, ideal. There's a beautiful book of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's named Jaiva Dharma, and um, often I've have found that uh, that devotees reading it find it very refreshing. In this regard, because it's a it's a it's a it's a really a novel that's written by Bhaktivinoda Thakur at the um, beginning of the uh, 20th century, so 100 years ago, and um, most of you, some of you, are familiar with it. It's, it's a novel in which he uh, tells the story of a couple of devotees who, you know go through the path and, and each chapter begins with a little something about their lives and what's happening and then they go and talk to their guru and they get the instructions and, and so forth. And um, it was a novel idea to, <laughs> at the time to present the, the whole of the Sandarbhas of Jiva Goswami, it was what he does there, and the Ujbal Nilmani of Rupa Goswami and the end part all in this novel, hmm, the teachings. Uh, usually, if you want to write a novel and express some spiritual point, you make one or two points, you know, <laughs> throughout the whole thing. So his is more points and less novel, but nonetheless, it is a novel. Uh, but what's ref- uh, one of the things that's very refreshing about it that, that I found that devotees liked is that when he talks about the students meeting with the guru and so forth, it's very intimate and very um, it, he, the guru is accessible and and. Um, you know, most of my my contemporaries they had the experience of, of Prabhupada at a, at a bit of a distance, hmm? uh, big mission and flying all over the world. And sometimes you see him; he's got like so many garlands on him. You wonder if he can breathe, you know. <laughs> and uh, those are all obviously you know uh, manifestations of the affection of his disciples, which was palpable and and, and considerable, and so forth. But it's nice when it translates out into the, that, that, that they're not necessary, so to speak. And uh, it, it goes without saying. And you find that kind of a setting described in, in, in Jaiva Dharma. As I say, many devotees find it very endearing. Hmm? So, at any rate, yes, we have to change our angle of vision. This is a small thing, but a huge, a huge thing. At the same point is that we have to give our you know, we have to serve with a little something, do whatever, whatever with your whole heart, whatever how small the thing is in your possession, that's not of consequence. But the whole of the heart is required, not part of the heart. Hmm? The whole heart. Hmm? That is the trick. It is said that, what will you give a man who has everything? 
right? And some people make this point. Why, why you give money for a temple, you buy fancy clothes and jewels for the deity. You know, what does God need? God doesn't need anything. Hmm? This is a common kind of argument for keeping your money. Hmm? <laughs> but it really is. Hmm? And the, and and the bigger question is, you know, why do you need your mo- why do you need money? What, what, what you know, what's it doing for you? Hmm. What, uh, you know, does it, is it you know, uh, <laughs> how are you, how are you spending it? That the money is your time, it's your life, it's 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 you, it's what you value. Hmm? So so, what what is there a better thing that you're doing with it, you know, than throwing it away, even if you see it as such. Is there a better thing that you're doing? You say, you say it could be given for feeding people. Is that what you're using yours for? <laughs> you know, most cases would be no. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> uh, uh, when we can just when we can burn money, then we say we can we can know we've gotten somewhere. Hmm? You bring it in from the harvest and then have a bonfire. You see, um, so. Hmm. So this is why we give it to God. That's one reason. Hmm? You understand? What, what, are we, what are we really giving? We're giving all our attachments, all our sense that we are the providers, that we have to take, maintain ourselves, and all this is making us very busy in the mind and worried and so on and so forth. <laughs> so why don't you give it up? That's what you're, you're just collecting a bag, wallet full of worries and troubles. And, Worried that somebody will take it once you've got it, and worried how to get it when you don't have it, and so on. So, 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 this is why we give, yeah, really, to the to the deity. Hmm? Hmm? This is. Um, If you can't give yourself, the Gita says, then you give things that you have, which are the extension of yourself. Hmm? And try to make yourself as small as it is, or see yourself as small as you are, surrounding ourselves by material assets, and so we we feel more bigger or more better to protect ourselves and take care of ourselves, and and less needy, and so on and so forth. So... So when we when we give our things, if you will, then that's one thing. But ultimately, we find out it's us that's to be given entirely, the whole of our heart. Hmm? And so that is uh, that that what's what is somewhat involved in in the big task then of changing our our angle of vision. Hmm? It's such a small thing to say, but such a big thing to do. Sridharmarsh used to like to quote Hegel. He had a saying, die to live. And uh, so you have to die to the, to the, the ego that you have, which is, a, which is a, a killing ego, so to speak, because materially speaking, our identity is one of a taker to one extent or another. And so you have to die to taking in order to, be, to, to, to live as a, as a giver. So he used to say it quite a lot, and of course it was popular then amongst his students to invoke the, the phrase, but one time I remember he said, yes, it's a very pretty statement, but it's a bitter pill to swallow. And it sounds very beautiful to the ear and mind, but 
to digest it, that is, that is not so, so easy. Hmm? And we can talk beautifully about the ideal and gather a good crowd, but when we speak, speak about how to go there, then people have something else to do often. It's a, it's a little more, like I said, love is beautiful, but it's born out of a womb of, of sac- sacrifice, self-sacrifice. And self-sacrificing turns ultimately to, in Rag Bhakti, to self-forgetfulness, where you calculate, you say, sac- I should do this, I should sacrifice, I should give up, I should, until the point where it comes, it's, you're, you're doing it naturally, and you're actually living on that. Hmm? This is the idea. This is where we're trying to try to go. Hmm? So don't be afraid to give. Hmm? Give and live, as they say. So the why, yes, again, the why question. Hmm? Well, what am I? Kami, kene, jata patroi. It can be phrased differently. Sanatan Prabhu phrase it like this to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sanatana was a very learned scholar. Hmm? He was uh, so accomplished from a worldly perspective that the, the Nawab Hussain Sah, which was the uh, Muslim ruler of the time, uh, uh, found out, heard about the the wisdom of Sanatan, Sanatan Goswami, his ability to understand the hearts and minds of others was very um, uh, extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And he and his brother Rupa and their nephew Jiva and other brother Balaba, they were living in Ram Kali in West Bengal, not so far from Nadia, the place of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And having heard about them, the two brothers, but Sanatana in particular, the Nawab uh, appointed them as cabinet members, so to speak, of his administration. And Sanatana was uh, eventually the second in command. So that when the Nawab Hussein uh, would go out on his uh, conquering exploits or whatever to other parts, Sanatana Goswami would be in charge of the whole um, kingdom. Hmm? Um, so he was very, um, um, you know, like a king in, in, in those times. We have to understand, I think, when we look at monarchy, that, you know, it's, it has a bad name and, and for good reasons, but. Ideally, in, in its in its better uh, forms, so the king was no extraordinary person. He was very he understood the people. He was kind to them, and and he had so much worldly wisdom and so on. So Sanatan had all this kind of worldly wisdom to the extent that he could he could um, rule in place of the uh, of, of the ruler. Hmm? So from a material perspective, his position was very extraordinary. Um, you know, you, you couldn't get a better job, so to speak. Yes, he was at the top of his game, if you will. And, um, and, and, and that, but he was at the same time a, a great devotee. And so he would, he would, 
surround himself with pundits and discuss the meaning of the Bhagavatam in his spare time, the implications of it. And, uh, um, and of course, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu began his, his campaign of traveling and doing Nam Kirtan and so forth, and then Sanatana wanted to, to join him. And ultimately, it's a long story, of course, he, was, he tried to join, he was imprisoned by the, by the Nawab, he found a way to uh, get out by... He could speak to the jail keeper in such a way that... The, that's the point. I have a little bit of this, too. That the jail keeper opened the gates and, and let him out. He, he reasoned with him. He said, in, he would, in your Quran, it is said that if you, if you, if you liberate a, ma- a man from prison, then he, you'll, get, you'll go to heaven. The material world is like a prison. And so if you let me out of this jail... and. And then he sweetened it with, and I'll give you some gold coins that I have hidden over here. <laughs> I used to sell Prabhupada's books, you know, I was famous for selling Prabhupada's books. And one of the places that I did it was in the Los Angeles airport at a time when it was illegal to sell books in the airport. And so I was, I was myself and one of my god sisters would go sometimes, and I started to go regularly, and so we would disguise ourselves and and carried books full of suitcase, suitcase, suitcase full of books. You know, we'd stop in those days, and we'd sit down next to somebody, where are you going? And, you know, you know I'd step and have this you know, book, check it out, you know, and like that, we would sell them the book. And so the authorities at the airport, they, you know, it was illegal for us to be there. And so I would became like a permanent feature at the airport. I was there every day. And it wasn't like today. It was This was like, 40 years ago, so the LA airport was quite a bit smaller. Hmm? You'd think it was very, very like provincial, right? If you were there now, you know, comparatively. And and so uh, I knew every nook and corner of the airport practically. And so I would meet people and I would dodge the authorities. And I was given like a sixth sense. So I would be distributing a book to somebody online for a ticket and I could see out of the back of my head (laughs) that one of the people at the counter. We said he's here, he's over here, you know. <laughs> and the security guards would come. By the time they come, I would be gone, you know. This went on for like years, like this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I found him one time. I know that they, I was upstairs, and they, I I saw one of the people calling. And I could understand they're calling on me. I went to go downstairs, and the secure and the escalator, and the security was coming up. I didn't know where to go. I was caught. I looked behind me. There was a door. I just went through the door. And it went out and down into the airport, and there was a bus for employees to go to the next terminal. So I just got on and went. And I was in the next terminal. So things like that happened to me all the time. <laughs> but a couple of times they caught me. Hmm? And then they would take me out to the station, which was there was like a little you know police depot or something like that at the airport. And by the time I got to there, got there, I. Had Talked him out of it, and they let me go. I thought, this guy, you know, he's like crazy, you know. They let me go. I said, don't come back. I said, okay, you know. And I was, I was back the next day, you know, for the mission. So, but anyway, uh, uh, Sanadhan had this. I have only a fraction of that, but the keen ability to communicate with people and to <laughs> and to uh, you know make a make a convincing case and and so forth and and that requires understanding the minds of people and their hearts and and being able to listen to them and to care about them actually hmm? 
Uh, otherwise, it just becomes a dogmatic, you know, rote presentation that's that uh, stale, and you wonder if the speaker believes it himself, right? Mm-hmm. So Sanatana, anyway, convinced the jail keeper he got out, and he, and he met with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And what did he ask him at the time? Hmm? I mean, I've given a background of who he was. He was like, you know, vice president of the country. And what question did he ask? He said, Kaomi, who am I? Hmm? Why am I? What am I? Hmm? What is the meaning of me, of I? Kaomi, Kene, Jarta, Patrai. And why, although I don't want to suffer, I suffer material existence. Hmm? What am I? Why am I? These so such this is a you can be as learned as you like in this well positioned, situated materially and so forth, and not know the answer to this question and be nowhere. And he could understand that. I'm nowhere. I don't know who I am. He said, Kami Kene Jata Patroi. He said and he said, uh, huh, what is he said? He said, uh, the people call me a pundit hmm? in the villages and all, and they call me a pundit, but I don't know who I am. This is a smart person. Everybody's praising me. I'm so learned and everything, but the fact is, I don't know who I am, so I place myself before you. Hmm? So this is the the, the, the question of human, that, that really would constitutes human consciousness that takes us to the point that human life really affords us. Hmm? The point where the most meaningful question can be answered. It can be asked in human life, hmm? and to the extent that it is and pursued, it can be answered, and we can have lived the, m- the most complete and full um, human life that we could have. We could have used our humanity to its its fullest. We should not think that a life, a spiritual life, a life of bhakti, a life of devotion, um, that may look insular, in some respects, hmm? we want to keep the association of devotees. Hmm? We want to avoid the association of non-devotees. It sounds rather insular. Hmm? Um, uh, uh, and it may appear that there's so much of life that you're not, you know, taking part in missing out the human experience, and so on and so forth. But actually, it constitutes. Um, taking the fullest advantage of the human experience, which gives us the opportunity, this particular vehicle for the self to come to the fore enough to, to ask about itself. Hmm? It's incredible. And ask, and you shall you shall know. Hmm? The more you ask, the more you, this earnestness. And this is the business of the teacher to to try to kindle this earnestness for for such questions. And the pursuit, hmm? because in the earnestness of the pursuit, the answers are found there. As much as the earnestness of the pursuit is not there, then there's a story of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur in his mission, Prabhupada's guru. They used to publish a magazine, um, a daily magazine called Nadia Prakash. They also had a, a um, bi weekly uh, magazine called The Harmonist. They had a printing press going 24 7. Hmm? with uh, Krishna conscious publications. And so one wealthy and uh, politically active person questioned, how can you produce a magazine every day about God? I mean, 
you know, how much can you say about the guy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of a kind of a query. And uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur replied that we could publish a magazine at every minute. He said we are only doing once a day <laughs> because there's no shortage of information about God. There's only a shortage of customers and interest in the subject matter. Hmm? Hmm. He said, "This is the this is the material world. This, we, this is very small, and we have, you know, several newspapers a day in every city about the same old hackneyed thing that there's, you know. <laughs> I mean, the most the on you know the every every year they have these new dramas that come out. You know, that the, the new show, the new show, the new show for in September. You know, it's going to last for you know this many weeks and so forth. But the ongoing drama." That's the you know biggest seller is the, is the news. Hmm? It's always on. Hmm? There's never a new season of news. It's the same thing, <laughs> and it's a drama. That's what it is. They just dramatize. It is some boring detail. Try to milk something. You know. Try to milk. You know a three-teated goat or something. You know and pretend it's a pretend it's a cow. <laughs> Isn't it? And it's just so like, oh, oh God. And they, how they must be schooled to act like, you know, it's really interesting. What they're doing. <laughs> Got a great story tonight. And, uh, and uh, you know, and more or less the same story is being told somewhere else. And you find some weird thing and throw that in, you know. <laughs> um, and it's always like something big is just about to happen. It's ju- keep tuned because it's just about to happen, hmm? and you know it's happening. We're all dying. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we say. It's a big thing. We're all dying. It's happening now, hmm? but that's something we don't want to talk about. <laughs> that we want to avoid. Hmm? So, so, <laughs> so to be yeah, to pre- pre- preoccupied with such questions. Hmm? To to. That's why I also feel that with regard to education, the best thing that you could do to give someone an education would be to um, to give them some uh, compelling insight into the value of learning. Hmm? If, if a child learns the value of learning, then they'll learn naturally. Then they'll want to learn. Hmm? That wasn't taught to me. That's why I dropped out of school, I guess. <laughs> you know, so you got to go to school and you got to get good grades. And, and that's about it. And, and why? And it wasn't instilled. And that was quite a long time ago. But um, if you can demonstrate to a child the value of learning just in simple exercises, then they'll want to. You know, they figured it out. Oh, this is, you know, it's, the knowledge is useful and so forth. It's not something you just do to please your parents or something or. So, um, so to create in a student uh, this kind of earnestness, interest, and um, earnest inquiry, and so forth, uh, this is the driving force. Then, this, uh, the, the journey is the, as I say, the, the destination. If you're if you're on the, the journey, looking, pursuing, inquiring, hmm? and of course, so the basic inquiry is is why am I? What am I? And the answer, and is there more to life than, let's say, yeah, there is. And the Om is yes, there is. And then thousands of statements that follow that qualify the Om. Yes, there is. Yes, you can. But how to experience it? 
you have to do all these things. And all those things constitute, in all those statements, thousands of them, they're all telling us, change your angle of vision. You're not the center. Hmm? You're not the enjoyer, you're the servant. You're not the maintainer, you're the maintained. These are simple things, and we can agree with them and nod our head, but you see, you think of how we conduct ourselves in in ways that demonstrate we don't really understand these simple points. And we'd rather talk about gopis, love for Krishna, and you haven't understood that. You know, and that there's a place for that, too, as well. We might have some idea what the goal is, the ideal is, but it should, even that, should be talked about in such a way that it becomes, we can draw from it something practical in our, for our everyday life at the moment as to how we can really approach that, that, um, that high ideal, how we can enter there. Hmm? And so it's about changing our angle of vision, which means changing ourself. Mm-hmm. Spiritual life is, about, is very much about change. Mm-hmm. It's very, it should be very simple. And say, it's not about remaining how you are. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. How I am is the problem. And it's not just adding something more so I can be more of what I you know, think of myself to be. It's, it's changing what you, <laughs> entirely what you think of yourself, how you think of it. We, 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 we look at the world, and understandably so, as it's if a, a world of things that we are the master of, that are for our purpose, and have meaning only if we use them. Hmm? And there's a lot of truth to that. But looking at the world is not the only place to look. We should look at ourselves and realize we're not of the world. So then what is our source? Then we have to look to the other side. As much as I'm a subject, and material things are the objects that I may use for my purposes, materially speaking, mm-hmm. when I really think about that, I realize, here I am, I'm the subject, these are the objects, I'm using them, but for material purposes. I'm, I'm being used by them, in other words. <laughs> Do you understand? I'm not material, I'm not an object. I'm the subject. And I'm using the things. I think I'm using the things. But they're using me. I'm becoming an object. <laughs> I'm becoming matter. <laughs> the very thing that I think I'm... This is Vishnu Maya. It's very powerful. The illusion, you see. It's very powerful. Hmm? So if we look carefully on that side, we see, oh, hold on a minute here. Hmm? And then I'm not matter. So I don't want to be, you know... It's limited. It has no life. It needs someone to animate it. Uh, so I don't want to become like that. Hmm? I'm different. I'm entirely different. And so I'm consciousness. What is my source? If I'm not, if I don't, if I'm not derived from matter, hmm? what is my source? Hmm? The jiva, the atma, the jiva has a natural affinity for its source. It's mentioned in. Paramatma Sandarbha, as one of the qualities, one of the of the of, of the Atma, hmm? it has it has uh, it, it, it 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 senses that it exists has a sense of aham ahata I am. Hmm? It's a unit of, endure, of enduring existence, knowing, and bliss, and so forth, and it has a natural kind of bond with or affinity for its source. Its source is the Paramatma, hmm? the Mahavishnu, hmm? 
which is a particular manifestation of Krishna for the world and the, the leela of creation. It has a natural affinity for its source. That's very understandable. It's like you have a natural affinity for your, for your parents. You have a natural tendency even to, to search it out. Where am I from? It's part of the you know, question. Why am I? Who am I? What, what am I about? So, well, if what am I about? What, where, from where do I derive? Hmm? So it's inborn in the self, you see, to search its origins. It has a natural bond for its, for its source. Hmm? And so as it looks to its source, it sees from a different perspective. What does it see? It was looking at matter and, and seeing material objects as, as objects that I'm the subject of, I'm in control of. Of course, we just explained that's an illusion. They're controlling us and we're becoming like them. Hmm? That's a problem. When we look at our source, we find, oh, I'm consciousness, but I'm like a spark of the fire of consciousness. So, in relation to my source, I am somewhat like the, sub, the objects of the world are to me. I'm like an object, a thinking and feeling one. Uh, you understand? But nonetheless, I'm a dependent entity. And my ability to know, my ability to love is a derived, I've derived ananda, derived sat, derived chit, not independent sat, chit, ananda, but it's derived from the source. And so, this is the, this is the, the changing of the angle of vision we're talking about. From I'm the subject in command of the material objects, which is the uh, illusion, to uh, I'm like an object <laughs> in relation to the super... So I'm a subject, but that's a super subject. So in relation to the super subject, I, uh, you know, I have meaning and value as much as he thinks about me, hmm? cares about me. Hmm? And of course, it's through the agents of divinity that Bhagwan shows his caring. They are the Kripa Shakti of Bhagwan. Hmm? Kripa Shakti, Kripa means mercy. So the Kripa Shakti of Krishna is manifest in his devotees, hmm? in the sadhus. That's where it's manifest. Krishna himself, he's lost. He's trying to find, figure out whether Radha loves him or not. <laughs> so he knows no suffering except for that. So, um, but the sadhus, they know, they know something. They've been in the world. They have a dream. It's like a dream. Oh, I know what that's like. So they can be empathetic with us. Yes, remember that was terrible. Hmm. <laughs> it's not as big as you think, you know. It's, it's all, it's a very small thing. Puchapad Shiramarsh once re- described our material existence like mushrooms. It has no roots. We're rooted in Brahman. We're rooted in Paramatma. Hmm? Material covering is just like that. It's just like, like moss, I should say. Moss. It has no roots. Hmm? It can be swept away very easily. Hmm? That may seem like to us be very difficult, but for someone who can see, it's a small thing. Hmm? Some, some, we're too close to it. It looks too big to us. Hmm? 
um, in our spiritual life too looks like a great mountain to climb, but it's not. If we have good company, my godbrother Vishnu John Maharaj used to say, the distance we have traveled thus far before meeting our guru is far greater than the distance we have from this point on to go. Hmm? That's a small distance. What you have in place. One of my godbrothers asked Pujapachita Maharaj, he said once, Guru Maharaj, I don't feel I'm making any advancement. He said, no advancement? <laughs> he, he said, you have human life? Jalaja, Navalakshani, Stavalakshani, he said, there are so many lacks of species to, uh, that you've passed through to come to human life and you feel you make no advancement? In human life you have a bona fide guru? And you say you don't feel you're not looking at the thing accurately. This is, he was honestly like, "What are you talking about? Hmm? <laughs> You've come so far. Hmm? The distance is very short from here. Hmm? It's like if we want to build a house. Let's say you want to build a house. Say so you commissioned me to build a house for you, and I'm a designer, an architect, and a contractor, and so you give me your money, and I'm build your house, and you want to come out and see it. So after you know." few weeks you come out and you look and there's and the house is going to be like three stories tall so you come out and look and all you find is a hole in the ground it's going you think oh what's what's going on i mean i was supposed to be going up but i'm I'm, so our spiritual life is beginning something like that you know we have to but we need a foundation we need you know get some things in place here Hmm? we used to go on sankirtan and think Today I'll put on the robes and go and chant, and people will come and cry, and you know, and it, and it would be, you know, well, it wasn't that we'd like that. <laughs> they, sometimes they threw things at us and stuff. So it was like, what happened? Um, you know, I'll go and ask somebody, please take the book. It's about in the Bhagavad Gita about the song of God, and you know. They would go, yes. <laughs> well, they were more, you know, fond of slamming the doors. <laughs> so, um, I have to begin somewhere. But, um, and the progress does move in an interesting path, along an interesting path, like the highest Mount Everest. And to get there, you have to go through the foothills. So the path is not like this. It's like this. So at some point it looks like I'm going down, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but the one who's standing back and see, oh no, it's going out, it's going out. <laughs> Sometimes Krishna's in our life. You should think like that. If you chant Hari Nam with the blessings of of Shri Guru, certainly Krishna's in your life. Hmm? We should think like this. That, that somebody of spiritual consequence thinks about me. That should be my only concern. Hmm? That someone of spiritual consequence is actually thinking about me, caring about me, concerned about me. Yeah? And I'm okay. Hmm? Even, even I may not be... There's a learning curve. We call it anishta, bhajana kriya. So the, the, the progress won't be, won't be straight. It'll, be, it'll go and it'll stop. It'll go and it'll stop. And it'll, and pick up again and start again. Hmm? So there's a there's a learning curve. That's that's a given. Hmm? But we we don't want to bite the hand that feeds us. That would that's for sure. Hmm?
We want to position ourselves in such a way. Mahaprabhu says it himself that Nam Nam Akari Bahudani Jasaiva Shakti Stataralpita Niamita Smaranina Kala. Eta Drishita Bakripa Bhagavan Mamapi Dudaiva Midrisham Ihajani Nanuraga. He said, My path, my progress on the path of chanting the holy name of Krishna is not steady. It's interrupted. Hmm? The name is beautiful. Nam Namakari Bahuda. And there are many names. Hmm? And Sarva Shakti, they're full of all the power of God. Huh? And they come, these, the, the name of Krishna comes to us and asks no, no qualifications. Nam Namakari Bahuda Nija Sarva Nakala. You can chant my name and there are no rules. Hmm? Not not according to time. Not, you have to chant only at a certain time, only in a certain place, only facing a certain direction. To emphasize this point, in places it said, even if you chant in your dreams, even while eating, even while sleeping, if you chant. You see, you can't meditate while eating. You can't meditate while while sleeping. Not too easily. Hmm? I suppose you could meditate in your dreams, but how useful it would be. Hmm? Uh, but it said... <laughs> it's said about the, the chanting to make a point. It's so powerful, so beneficial. And Mahaprabhu says, more or less, he says all these things, and then he says, but see what my position is. In spite of that, I have no interest in the subject. I have no attraction. Non-anuraga. I don't have anurag. That is the goal. This is in the second verse of Shikshastakam. He, sp- he speaks indirectly about the goal. I have no anurag. Non-anurag. Anurag means that kind of spontaneity we talked about earlier, hmm? without any calculation, without thinking, hmm? serving, hmm? giving. So he says, I don't have any rag. I don't have not attained anurag. I have no attraction. Hmm? Despite the name being is, is all that it is. Hmm? The name is said to be non-different than the named. Nam nam. Notice it, uh, Nam Chintamani, hmm. Krishna's Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha Purnashuddha Nityamuktam Vinatvam Nama Namino. Among other things, Nam Namino, the name in the, is non-different than the named. In other words, Krishna and his name are one. So when you can perfectly utter Krishna, then you have the experience of Krishna. Hmm? So although they are one, still there's a difference. And Rupa Goswami has brought that out in his Namastakam. What is that? That the name, although non-different than the named, is different in that the name is more generous than the named. You may offend Krishna, like Brahma did in the Brahma Mohan Leela, stealing his calves <laughs> and cows. Hmm? And so Krishna made him take birth as Haridas Thakur. Hmm? And the name came with him. Hmm? He offended the form of Krishna, but in the form of his name came with him. Mahaprabhu named him Namacharja, who would be the teacher of the name. He was a Muslim. Hmm? Brahma, who was a Paka Brahman, following all the Hindu rules, had to become a Muslim. Hmm? An outcast, it was, it was thought in, in, in that time. Hmm? But the name came with him. Name will stay with us. 
if we a little a little bit a little bit humble and remorseful, uh, not to the point of nar- neurosis, but of our um, present position, burdened as we are by anarthas, by a sense of anartha. Artha means value. Anartha means false values. We have false values. We mistake things to be valuable when when they're they're really obstacles to the pursuit of that which is really worth attaining. Hmm? So we're burdened by that. Hmm? And this, because of that, we don't have attraction. But the name will stay with us. Hmm? We should study the humility of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in that verse, second verse of Shikshastika, before he says, Trinadapisanichena. Hmm? That's another kind of humility. Hmm? That humility is coming from, from progress, actually. And the humility of kind of like some remorse, like I keep doing these things that aren't in my interest. Hmm? You know, it's better not to frame it as a moral good or bad in today's world. Better to frame it, why do you keep shooting yourself in the foot? <laughs> you know, then it's then it just, it's not some, it doesn't seem some as artificial law, or, you know. Why I can't do this? Why? Well, it's not helping you to do it. What do you want to do? Hmm? It's not helping you. Oh, it doesn't are you gonna just make sense to yourself? Hmm? Kind of brings it home a little bit. And this is actually the moral standard for a Vedantist, for a mystic. Hmm? It's not a religious moral standard of goods and bads, and, and that's why even the mystic can do a bad from a material religious point of view, and it won't be bad. That's what we find. And Krishna says in the Gita, if you want to love me, you have to give up religion. Sarvadharman pratyaja. Hmm? And your moral standard will be, if it helps me in my practice, if it's good for bhakti, I'll accept it. If it's bad for bhakti, I'll reject it. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? Not a set of rules. And you wonder, what's the meaning of those rules? Well, you know, you have to look at it very practically. Hmm? And you can tell your, nobody has to tell you what to do. Hmm? You can tell your temperature. I'm doing this, this isn't helping my bhakti. Uh, I should avoid that. This will help my bhakti. Sadhu Sangha will help my bhakti. I should go and hear. Hmm? That kind of thing. Hmm? Yeah. And most, that is the most helpful thing as far as what is useful for us, helpful. That is this Sadhu Sangha, to have good association, that we should gravitate towards, then that person, sadhu in our life, he'll be generous, naturally. He understands, she understands. There's a learning curve. Hmm? And so the student should keep himself, keep herself in such a way that the guru guru has sympathy, has concern. Hmm? Uh, That means somebody of consequence is thinking about you. How is that? That you don't prove yourself to be someone that can't be taught. I would try to teach a student, but if I, th- I say, the problem is this. No, Gurudev, the problem is not that. Say, okay, then you, you know. <laughs> Fine, you know, you know better. So you go, go on your own, you know, go ahead. I have to become indifferent then. Hmm? No, you don't understand my heart. No, I do understand your heart. You're the one who don't understand your heart. This is the problem. Hmm? And you want to fight with me. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a fighter. Okay, that's not, that's not what I do. Yeah. So we, we don't want to become like that. Hmm? 
if we think our guru has wisdom, knows us better than we know ourselves and what we need. If we lose sight of that, then and that will be, then he or she, the guru, will have to become indifferent. If he can chastise us, then he, we think he cares about me. Okay, he thinks there's hope still. Okay, good. Or he may praise me also. I may be doing something right. But if he becomes indifferent, he think, what can I say? I try to tell him what, you know. He's not listening, so what can I do? That's unfortunate. That should be avoided. Hmm? If we can avoid that, then we can, we can keep the sympathy from above in our life. And, and people, sadhus of consequence, our whole guru parampara will have some concern for us. And now, then we're safe. Hmm? We're safe. Hmm? We're in the water, but the sharks won't bite us. We won't get, you know, devoured there. So keep that kind of lifeline through sadhusanga. That's most important. Hmm? That's what, uh, that's what, that's kind of the fire that, that, you know, you say cooking is gradual, but you have to have the fire on, something like that. So it's a gradual process, but, you know, you have to have some, you come in and say, what's for dinner? Mom, it's coming. Gradually it's going to be this and that. And it's, when is it going to be? It's coming soon, soon, you know. <laughs> you know, could we light the stove? You know, could we turn it on? You know. So when the fire's on, then you could say, yeah, it's, it's coming. It's actually coming. It's happening. Hmm? And fire means sadhu sangha. So sadhus, when they come, they're not there just to pat us on the back and tell us everything's okay also, or just tell us things we've already heard. And you're supposed to just sit there and listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Right? You know, they're supposed to say it in such a way that you th- that you realize you didn't even understand it, although you heard it a thousand times. You heard it a thousand times, but you didn't understand it. And if he or she can speak in such a way as that you realize, I didn't really get. Yeah, that's a deeper impact. One devotee asked me once, a sannyasi. He said, "How is it that Sri Ramarsh talked about the highest topics, and devotees who weren't high?" didn't get confused by a, uh, a discussion that was beyond them and misconstrue what was being said and so on and so forth. I said, well, he didn't so much talk about the high topics as much as he talked about the lowest topics in the highest way. Hmm? <laughs> and then some tastefully higher topics. Hmm? Well, for this we should, we should, this is good for us, this, this kind of, these kind of discussions. Hmm? Sadhu should kind of t- try to turn our head and, 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 and challenge our understanding hmm? of things that we think we know and we've taken for granted and we can, we can regurgitate and say to others but we don't really, have never really put in place in our lives and our life because the result has not changed very much. Hmm? Hmm? That and to understand what is the path actually, hmm? because we'll hear the path and we like certain things about it, and they'll draw us in. Hmm? And other things we'll block out because well, I don't understand that. Whatever, I, I like this part. Every, eventually, you have to <laughs> you have to come to embrace it all, <laughs> digest it all. It takes a little time. Hmm? So, so if we want to know why, then yeah, we have to have. The Sadhu Sangha, they can say, say, yes, you are more, and in order to get there, 
I speak for volumes and volumes as to how to ch- as to how to change your angle of vision. As simple a thing as it is, hmm? it's not that easy. But then again, we should be encouraged because in good company it becomes possible because we see our prospect. We see it's possible. It's happening. He's doing it. She's doing it. So you know we attach ourselves to such a person and we have hope. Hmm? Uh, I have a question about money. You spoke about money and how we're attached to it, and then when somebody thinks about giving it to the church, the atheists obviously say, you know, it's like, why don't you use it for something else? But as a practitioner... But he who has everything... Oh, yeah. It's a Christian who has everything. I should say also, I just want to make one point before you go on with your question. People do ask, why should you give to God? He has everything. I explained it in one way. There's another point to make. Our God is Krishna. He has everything except for one thing. What does he not have? No. Krishna's heart has been stolen by the Rajabhasis, the inhabitants of Vrindavan, completely stolen. So he needs a heart. So we have to give ours to him. Hmm. Hmm. And what will we, how will we give our heart? First we, whatever's in the heart, we'll give that that we think has value and, and empty it out and, and so forth. If you have to give your heart, you have to clean it up first and, and then offer it. So, I'm sorry. What is your question? Well, that, was, that was half the answer to the question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my, my question was, as a practitioner who's trying to you know, worship God or practice spirituality, worshiping Krishna and giving to Krishna, the question was, how much should we actually give in the form of money? Or should we give in the form of some particular service? Or, some, you know, when we go to the temple, we're more eager to do whatever service is necessary versus, say, you know, give a donation in the donation box or something like that. Mm-hmm. In other words, instead of giving money that you earn through, you know, karma one way or another, it, how much should we give ourselves? I mean, and there's yeah, I understand. Excuse, you know, I do all this service, so that's why I don't give a donation to the temple. That's... That's not what I'm talking about either. You know what I mean? What is the, what's the proper balance? You know what I mean? It depends on your situation, I suppose. You know, I don't think it's a, a one-fits-all answer to that. Um, many devotees are not um, situated in, a, in, a, in, a, in an area that they can readily have a, a vehicle of service like the temple, for example. Um, they should do their practice you know, in, in chanting and so on and so forth, and and um, their bhajan. Um, but for practical service, many of them don't have much opportunity. Hmm? So then their opportunity largely becomes, well, they can use their uh, dis- disposable income. Hmm? In other words, everyone has a standard of living that they have to arrive at in order to feel comfortable, and a spiritual person should be honest about that. And... and <laughs> And, and it's not the same for everybody. Some people need more and they can do more. And they need more and some people need very little and, and, and so forth. And so we shouldn't be judging when he gives more he gives less and he makes more, he should be giving more. And, you know, you need know, you to look at your own self and be honest and think that, you know, I need this to live comfortably. I'm comfortable with this. And then I have something extra. And now how will I spend it? Hmm? That's my disposable income. So that should be spent for Vaishnavism. Hmm? That would be the, the, the better, that would make one a Saranagata as, as a householder. Hmm? Because you need some work for your livelihood as a householder. 
and then you have some money that's left over that you're free to do what you want with. It's not just to maintain yourself and your family, ideally. Hmm? That should be, if, if that is spent for Krishna consciousness, hmm? that's spent in your interest. Maybe you create a Krishna conscious situation in your community where you can have the opportunity to go to the temple and do service and so forth. But let's say you have an opportunity like that. You live in a community, there's a temple, and so you're asking what balance should there be between I come to the temple, I'm going to do service, and I'm going to give some money, and should I just give money in a donation box, or should I give my time, or both? So, you know, it's said, said in common English parlance that time is money, and it's very, you know, true. So time given is, is good as well. But in all of this, I think service um, uh, to be such is is what is wanted of us. Hmm? And there should be someone of consequence in our life, our guru, a sadhu, Vaishnava, under whom we're serving. Recently, I got a, uh, a godbrother of mine sent me something. And, uh, and I thanked him for it, and I said... Oh, I hadn't heard of the person for years, and so I said, thank you much for that. And I said, um, um, where are you, where and under which um, Vaishnav, are you, senior Vaishnav, are you serving at present? And he wrote back that he was, I'm this many years old now. And, and uh, you know, he basically said, I don't need any seniors Vaishnav to be serving under or something like that. I thought, well, that's not a very good way of thinking about that. I'm senior. I'm this much old, you know. <laughs> Sugadev was 16. He was senior to everybody in the assembly. Uh, so uh, it's not about age or necessarily and so forth. So, so um, you know, we should um, try to... There will be a point, of course, where we, we become a good association and we can draw invisibly from above, the kind of help that insight, what does the text mean, and so on and so forth, and have taste, and and so forth, that uh, the average um, the devotee cannot. Hmm? But that average devotee, then, uh, they should have be serving under some, some Vaishnav, and then find out what he or she wants. And it's a simple equation, because your time is your money. So I could say to you, look, I want you to do this. If you have time, and have, I want you to do this. This would be valuable. If we're if we're if we're getting together, and we think, how can we serve? Hmm? Okay. Well, I would like to accomplish this in in this community. Let's say, for example, for this number of devotees, you bring to me this many hours or this many dollars, or you know, and if I have a choice, maybe I'll take the dollars this time, maybe I'll take the time this time, or say give both, or you know, or, you know. It, but that would be that's useful way to really practically answer the question. And know that what you're doing is really, it's wanted. Hmm? It's not something you just, hey, I did some service, you know. It's like, well, <laughs> well, great, you know. Uh, I didn't ask for it, so, you know. Sridhar Maharaj used to say, to emphasize this point, hmm, if you come before the guru and offer a flower, hmm, that's bhakti. Gurudev offered this flower. The guru says, no, I don't want the flower. Hmm? Your offering was bhakti. Hmm? If he says, no, I'm not interested, and then you say, no, take it. Second time, it's not bhakti. Hmm? You understand? We're not to push our ideas on, a, on our 
guides, but to find out what ideas our guides have for us, uh, and we think that'll be in my interest. I maybe can't understand it, but it's, I have trust in my guide. This would be in my interest. Hmm? Or maybe I can. Hopefully, he can help us understand it. Hmm? That's the idea. Prabhupada used to say, if I ask for water, and you think, hmm, same idea. I think milk is better. <laughs> and you bring in milk, then it, it's not service. So we can do things that may not be service. And, and we want, you know, the, the, according to the necessity, there will be remuneration. For example, if, I, if you say, if you say, Marsh, would you like some water? But, okay, I'll take some water. Hmm? That's one thing. If I'm in the desert, hmm, and you bring me water, you brought, you brought me water, you know. It's like I, I'm, I'm indebted to you, right? So the circumstance, the necessity, what is my necessity Krishna had is a great necessity, for example. Radha has a great necessity at Kurukshetra. Hmm? Krishna has come so close. He's in, to Radha, Radha's come so close to him, uh, he, but he's in royal dress and rather, with it, rather than with his flute, and he, she can't get close. Her necessity is very great at that time. Sridhar compared it to like, you got to the one-yard line and, and you couldn't make the touchdown, you know? Oh, gosh. So when in Bhaktivinoda reasoned, oh, Radharani's necessity is very great. If I could serve there, the remuneration would be great as well. You understand? So this, you, know, you have to think, what is service? Hmm? If somebody wants it, what, is it, what will be useful? Hmm? And you, you want to know that. And you become, we come before the Vaishnava under whom we're serving and we say, and I was thinking this, we should, and, I, and I would do this, and we should be equally prepared to hear him say, yes, great idea, or him say, not a good idea. <laughs> it's not a good idea, I throw it out like that. Then we know, oh, he's come to serve. Then they could say, maybe it's a good idea. You should do it. Might be tested, yeah? Okay. Uh, we say, Gurudeva, I'd like to do this, and a service, and... Uh, you're not prepared to hear him say no, then, you know, he might say, okay, well, whatever, you know, do it, but, you know, <laughs> but to what extent is it really service, right? So, um, so, of course, you give your money, then, then he can spend it the way he wants, you know, that's, that's, that's works, uh, and that's very, you know, often very, you know, it's sad to see where, the, where we're more attached to our time or our money or whether we're equating the two or, but anyway, and householders should purify their their money earning in the world by by facilitating the mission with some portion of their income. That makes sense. Otherwise, how? I mean, I don't work, so you know, how can you have a monastery? We're supposed to if all the monks are supposed to work, right? And you want a monastery, then uh, householders have to understand that. And there's a relationship between the, the renunciates and the householders, and it's beautiful. And then if it's properly understood, then it doesn't matter whether you're a householder or not. Whatever is psychologically best you're suited for, you can serve fully in that situation. But it will manifest differently what the service is. Hmm? So sannyasi shouldn't expect the householders to exhibit 
this, uh, their dedication in the same way that they do. That's artificial. Give all your money. Hmm? If the sannyasi wants you to give all your money, then, you know, then, then he's, he's not instructing you appropriately if you're a householder. Hmm? Indeed, one of Mahaprabhu's household disciples used to give all his money. Hmm? Mahaprabhu asked another of his devotees, appointed him, watch out for him, make sure he doesn't give all his money. Because <laughs> yeah. on his own, he'll just give all his money, and he had, he have to watch it. Hmm? So some sannyasis, they want you to give all the money, and you, and you, but they know how that surrender will manifest in service and dedication, and even the renounced aspect of it will manifest differently in the two different situations. Hmm? And as it does, each is equally viable for making progress. Hmm? You understand? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, uh, I have another question about specific services. For example, you're, you're a writer, and so you consider your serv- one of your services, I assume, is to be a writer. And along those lines, if somebody says good at something, you know, you're a mechanic in the material world, so you know, your service, you know, it would be a good idea to engage yourself in some kind of service that you're already good at, which goes along with the lines with everybody's different and everybody has specific. Uh, field Well, the material propensities and so forth and uh, tendencies and skills and whatnot are all part of the material identity. Hmm? And it's not something that we want to foster in one sense. So one sense, the answer is you know, no. But another sense is bhakti is very generous. So we can use, for example, let's say you, you step on a thorn in a forest. Hmm? So you could take another thorn to take it out. Right? Hmm? So we can, we can it's the nature of bhakti, we can utilize our material propensities in such a way that we overcome them. But that's what we should see is happening. Say I'm a mechanic, so I engage you in, you know, in mechanics of taking care of the vehicles of the temple, something like that. And, and that's what you do. We've got a lot of vehicles, you're busy all the time. Hmm. <laughs> but if it's done right, which it can be, then what happens is you find yourself developing more interest for hearing and chanting and, and losing the propensity that, that it, for mechanics and so forth. You're no longer, you know, keeping, you know, subscription to mechanic, you know, Mechanics Anonymous or whatever, you know, you know, whatever it is, magazine, you know. Uh, but your, your, all your, you know, spare time is spent in, you know, extra time in hearing, chanting, other services, and so forth. So there's a place for that, and it does make some, some sense in the community. I mean, there was a sense um, that you become a Vaishnav now. You should not foster your material identity within the Varna Ashram. Hmm? 
So you, you should now sit and chant. Hmm? But it's not so easy for everybody to sit and chant all day long and control the mind. And so Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, under the direction of Bhakti Vinod, had the insight to form a mission like, and to give all types of engagements to people that are in consideration of their conditioning, but in such a way that they'll come out of that conditioning by, by, by using it at the same time. Hmm? It's kind of a... Um, um, what we find in Brahma Samhita, where Brahma is the creator, hmm? he wants to create. He's got. He's the god, the creative energy, and so he asks Krishna, "May I create in such a way that I will not be entangled in the creation?" Hmm? That's pretty pretty slick. You know, I could. So Krishna blesses him in such a way that you can uh, you can create. And and disentangle your sense of being a created being your, 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 yourself. Hmm? You understand that you're eternal and enter my leela and so on and so forth. So you know, sometimes it's referred to as gona vritti bhakti. It says rather than mukya. Mukya vritti bhakti means like direct, hmm? and gona means indirect. Or there maybe we look at it like. There's Surup Siddha Bhakti and then there's there's Arup Siddha Bhakti. So Surup Siddha Bhakti means hearing, chanting. These things are directly bhakti. Whether you think about it or not or you chant, there'll be some benefit. Of course, if you understand it better and you give your heart, you'll get more benefit, but still there'll be some, even if you don't know anything about it. Hmm? And then there are things that aren't bhakti, like growing flowers is not bhakti. Hmm? But you could assign bhakti to it by way of growing flowers with the deity. Hmm? Something like that. Um, some other activity that becomes bhakti by way of um, assigning the results of it um, to the service of Bhagwan, something like that. Uh, so, these things are useful for us. Hmm? Hmm. That help? Yes. How much um, <clears throat> with regards to uh, sadhana and you know the household life, and, uh, you know, as, as you've noticed, you know, there's all kinds of things that happen. Kids get sick or something happens, and, mm-hmm. and we uh, have trouble. Uh, 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 some water. Maybe some challenges, you know, and. Uh, Performing yeah. as much as we want. Yeah. So I'm just wondering with regards to um, our priorities. You know, for, you know, how, how do we? Uh, how do? Uh, do I need my my? Maybe I'm changing my guide. Do I need my screaming child? <laughs> You have to see as a householder that in order for you 
to engage in bhakti, you need your household. It's something that you emotionally and psychologically need. That's why you have it. That's why you married. That's why you have kids. They give you some sense of material wholeness and fulfillment that enables you to pursue comfortably something, the reality beyond your material necessity. Just like if you're starving, you know, it's hard to do bhakti. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to, you know, to, to chant, perhaps. Hmm? So there's, everyone has some level of material necessity without attaining which one will be too preoccupied with trying to attain it as a result of their conditioning, too preoccupied with that to be able to give the attention to the spiritual practice that, 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 that it warrants hmm, in order to be fruitful. Hmm? You follow me? So, um, therefore, as a householder, you need, that's why, you're, that's why you have it. You need that. Hmm? And you have some liking for that and some attachment for that. And when you have that, you feel good about yourself materially enough that you can now pursue your spiritual life. It works like that. Hmm? So you have to see your family as something that you need for your spiritual life. It's not independent of your spiritual life. It's not something that's getting in the way of your spiritual life. Without it, it would be difficult for you to engage in your spiritual life. Hmm? So, therefore, you, you, you try to see all the things that you do for your kids, for your family, so as, as in that context, then you don't create this separation. My spiritual life is over here, my material life is over here, this is getting in the way, and so forth. That's, a, that's the way you want to go in that direction, hmm? where the two become... So not, so that's why it's a question of consciousness. It's not what you do. It's the consciousness you have. Hmm? Therefore, you could be, you know, tending to the babies and more Krishna consciousness than someone's chanting their Gayatri. It's possible. Hmm? That's what whole of Krishna Leela tells us. They're not chanting there. Hmm? Cowherd boys are not chanting, you know, Japa. Hmm? <laughs> are they not Krishna conscious? You know, no. Um, it doesn't mean we shouldn't chant Japa, but... I'm just saying this is this is what it. I'm giving you a more in-depth kind of understanding, a, a, a glimpse of what the spiritual life constitutes. That said, of course, yeah, there is some, you know, time where you want to do your practice, and then there's the family concern. But the more you can kind of bridge that gap, and so forth, then you can. Everything you can do can be helping you to grow in Krishna consciousness, hmm? taking care of the babies and. I know this baby, so you know, without this baby in my life, you know, it would be a problem. Now I've got the baby in my life, and I think it's a problem, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got to kind of get beyond that to a seamless kind of a, you know, there's no problems, there's only service opportunities. Start seeing your family as devotees, and all the things they, 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 they need and serve them like you could serve. One time a fellow came to Gorka Shordas Babaji Marsh and proclaimed that he was now married. 
I'm now married, I've got a wife. He said, oh, very good, he said. You should treat her just like a gopi. And he went on and said, you know, take care of her just like this. And then the guy's going, what do you mean? She's my wife. She's supposed to do what I say, you know, in India. Well, he gave him a whole, like, different, like, aprakrita perspective, you know, like a whole other, like, wow, you know. Hmm? And uh, <laughs> so you're going to try to go in that direction. Otherwise, um, um, you know, there's a story, just to use your particular example, there's the story of the Brahmin who came to, you know, stay the night at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's house when he was a child, and, and he had his shalagram and he did his worship, and just as he made the offering, uh, it was that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and ate all the, ate the offering, and he said, it was, he said, okay, well, uh, all right, it happened, so he did it again, he starts again, does the whole offering again, the boy again, you know. Third time, he just prepares the whole offering, does the whole puja. Uh, and of course, the third time, he showed himself to be Krishna. And he wrote, oh my God, you know, this is it. But in the words, so, you know, you start again, you know, I think you should attend to the necessity and then you have to go and start the Gayatri again. And again, he cried, something like that, you know. But, you know, there should be, there should be in any household situation, some, if you, if you really think about what you're doing and find time, quiet time, and, there's, and it should be. I was a householder once, too. You know, I joined, I was married when I joined, and my wife was, was pregnant when we joined. We were quite young, of course. And, um, and so, um, but I always found time to lock the door and chant my Gayatri, and, you know, so it was quiet, and chant my rounds, and so forth. So I think it's, uh, you'll, 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 You'll you'll find your way there, but but you know it should you should give quality time to that and uh, find it, find a time for it, but try not to see the two as diametrically opposed. Ultimately, Does that help? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's been an interesting discussion, I think. So. With that, I think we'll we'll close for the for the, for the morning. What time is it? Only nine thirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys got here early, huh? <laughs> okay. It's eleven. All right, you're going to serve a little prasad here. Okay. Do we have a little kirtan? It's, uh, what about... Yeah. yeah, is that yeah. Who can play Murdanga? Okay. You want to sing this time? Yeah. Okay. See Krishna Balaram ki jai. Hari kirtan ki jai. Oh, Bhaktivinda ki jai. Oh, Premanandi. Oh.